Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. Hey, everybody. Uh, Dr. S here with another exciting Bad Elf Tech Minute with the Geoholics crew. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about some large technology firms. Two quick things I noticed in the news that I found to be interesting over the last week. One, with uh, the pandemic going on and social distancing, Facebook has put in a patent for synthetic group selfies. So if you've got to stay socially distant and you want to still take pictures with your friends, take a look. Facebook's going to be coming out with that soon. Secondly, um, in lieu of current events, uh, with the Black Lives Matter protests going uh, on across the globe, um, it was found out that uh, Apple phones that actually had been stolen in in one of the events uh, had their GPS on, and Apple was able to track the GPS and um, not permit those people to turn the phones on. So what I want to just throw out there that is if you have a device that is tracking you or listening to you, just remember that uh, people are going to know where you are. And that is the absolute um, reason for geospatial location. So check it out. If you are interested in synthetic group selfies, Facebook is coming out with it. And uh, like I said, if you um, are using a device with GPS, just know what uh, those user agreements are doing so you know what type of data is flowing out. Thanks, everybody. This is uh, Nick again. If you would like to uh, get a hold of me, you can do that at Nick, N-I-K, at bad-elf.com. That's Nick at bad-elf.com. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Good morning, everybody. A little Good change of morning. pace. Holy smokes, if that doesn't wake you up, I don't know what will. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 41 of The Geoholics, a podcast produced by and for Geomatics Professionals, also known as the Dirk Nowitzki episode. That is a very appropriate it is. number and name for this one, but personally, get, uh, as a homer, yep. of course, for the Mets, you yep. always have to go with Tom Terrific, Tom Seaver. Oh, that's a good one. You're right. I, I can't know, argue but with I that. understand why you went with Dirk. Yep, with, I figured with, it was fitting uh, for this episode. Our guest will figure that out or you know make yep. that make sense in a little bit here it will indeed please consider joining the geoholics fan club for every 20 bucks you contribute to the geoholics gofundme account you will receive a geoholics get this a geoholics fan pack Ooh, you like that oh wow my goodness. great branding yeah and be duly recognized on the next podcast so big stuff there that opening number is a band called suma and the name of that song is sword lord which, as I said, that gets your blood pumping, no doubt about it. <laughs> they are from Malmo, Sweden. <laughs> nice pronunciation. In 2001, well Suma has been spreading the plague of their iconic, sonic, weight, noise-ridden, hallucinatory doom metal on the world for the past decade and a half. A devastatingly heavy one-way trip into the vortex. Oh, my goodness. Kind of like uh, a musical summary of the world today. <laughs> Right? <laughs> uh, as Jake said, talk about branding. If man, you, uh, oh man. If they cu- wrote that one up. They did. If, you, uh, if you're curious, you want to hear more of, uh, of Suma, you can explore all their music on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. Bandcamp? I have not heard of that one. Yep. It's for like smaller bands, really. Okay. Like uh, our good friends, Carol Pace and the Honey Shakers, they do a lot on Bandcamp. You guys are in, into that indie stuff and... I just, I'm just old and tired. <laughs> I think, I think today was more like not so much indie, but like murder metal. I, I, that, that is like you, they have this long write up of about them. <laughs> murder metal sounds like the simplistic uh, gotta, alliteration done. Got to change it up once in a while. <laughs> All right. We wouldn't be here this morning without our friends of the program. Thanks everybody for believing in us and your continued support. Our first one's got to be bad elf GPS, bad elf, bad dash elf.com old Dr. Nick and his tech minute. He's, uh, always coming up with something new and, uh, just revolutionizing the industry. They have their high-accuracy GPS receivers for all-day data collection. Uh, thanks, thanks again to Dr. Nick and the Bad Elf team. They are good folks, that's for sure. Uh, Lance Rares United, uh, they are, of course, as we mentioned pretty much every show, the largest global community of geomatics professionals on the Internet with just about, I think they might have just hit 17,000 members. Justin Farrow is uh, kind of the brains behind that website. You can find it at landsurveyorsunited.com. And I have a challenge for our listeners. Once you're done listening to this episode, 
take five minutes, visit the website and become a member. It, it's nothing. And it's, th- th- there's so much information on that website, you're going to be blown away. And there's a Geoholics page. Page, yep. And, so. Yep, and you get the app there as well. And then we can't forget Unifly, U-N-I-F-L-I dot A-E-R-O. Scott O'Hana and his team have developed true field to finish aerial workflows designed by surveyors for surveyors. They have done that indeed. Parkland College Land Survey Program in Champaign, Illinois. They have uh, two different options for their land survey program, which is really, really cool. Two different schedule options, which provides opportunities to both traditional and working adults, and it allows them to achieve a certificate or associate degree in land surveying. You can find out more at parkland.edu forward slash surveying. And that one for working professionals is the weekend program, correct? Yes, sir. Absolutely. And then we, our newest friend of the program, old Diamondback Land Surveying, Trent Keenan. They specialize in residential, commercial, and public works projects. Their corporate office is located in Las Vegas, but they are licensed to do work all across the West. Uh, they are also a proud sponsor and brand ambassador of Get Kids Into Survey. You can find their website at diamondbacklandsurveying.com, and then Get Kids Into Survey is gkis.com. <laughs> All right, nicely done, shoots. And welcome back, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. You can find them at agsgps.com. And they have unbeatable deals on new and used equipment, equipment rentals and supplies. In fact, get this, guys. This is big news. We have a freaking promo code Yep. If you go to agsgps.com forward slash shop and use promo code, get this, Geo 15, you will receive 15% off all regular price, field supplies, accessories, and safety equipment. We've hit the big time, boys. That is pretty freaking cool. And I was on their website yesterday, and I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen these things. Have you, are you, have you ever seen a Sherp ATV? Mm-hmm. It's like this monster, like these huge monster balloon wheels. It is one of the coolest things you'll ever see. These guys rent those things. So if you're out in the brush or the swamps or whatever and you need a sherp and you don't want to go out and buy one for whatever the heck they cost rent one from advanced geodetic surveys it's right on their homepage. you see the you video saw it. cool is it awesome yeah, oh absolutely. my god it is awesome I, I just want to rent one just for the hell of it um here we are this morning and maybe maybe we can race jake and his uh, sailboat we probably could with the sherp. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be that's a good idea. We might have to do that. Uh, this morning we're at the Beat Lab Studio, and producer Jake had us set up quite nicely this morning, and actually had coffee brewing. So we're in good shape. Although Shoots brought the coffee, and I have no idea what the hell this stuff is, <laughs> but it's like drinking nitro. You're welcome. Or nitrous, I should say. You're welcome. It's I've already the, got the shakes. It's the triple dark roast. <laughs> I appreciate you bringing it. I needed it. It's definitely a good uh, pick-me-up this morning, in addition to Suma, of course. Of course. Um, let's catch up with the boys a little bit. Uh, Producer Jake, how are you now, my friend? Doing good, guys. It's good to have a—I think this is our first early morning recording, so that's price you got to pay when we want to go international. So it's nice to get up, especially on a Friday, have a nice long day, and get, get productive in the morning. But— um. Back to, I guess, maybe a segment that's kind of starting up here is Producer Jake's Netflix recommendations. Um, this this week, we uh, watched something, actually. It's called, check this out on Netflix, it's Minimalism, a documentary about the important things. So it's about just a quick hour and 20 minutes or so, something back from 2016. It follows a couple guys who, um, I guess, have, are preaching this, this form of living of minimalism and they go around and it follows them on tour and they wrote a couple books and stuff, but really interesting stuff. And just talking about, you know, having less, less is more. And I was totally watching it and I just wanted to get up and just start throwing things away and just getting rid of things. So pretty interesting. I know we talked about that a couple of times in the podcast too. So it's definitely a good watch, easy watch, easy to digest and a good topic overall. Who is the lady that does the like organizing your house? Oh, uh, Sparks Joy thing? Uh, it was is it Spark Joy? That I, one? It, I don't remember her name, but my wife is getting into that one right now. So needless to say, my closet is clean right now. And uh, Marie know, Marie Kondo. Kondo. Yes, yes. Kondo, yes, yes. that's oh, fitting. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're into that as well. Uh, I will not tell her about the minimalism right now. I will. <laughs> Thank you. Well, they had a little segment there on a tiny home, too. They did. That was pretty cool. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, she went the opposite way on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, check it out if you guys can. It's pretty interesting, and it's super easy to watch. So. And it was only an hour and 15 minutes or something? Hour and 18 minutes. There you go. 18, exactly. Give you th- yeah, a couple extra minutes there. So, Ryan, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, I have to put my tail between my legs and, and admit when we were wrong. I'm sorry to say this, guys, but uh, on last week's episode, we were talking about Torkelson getting drafted number one from ASU, and we were all proud, forks up, all that good stuff. And we may have mentioned a few other guys. We were incorrect. So with this whole truth in broadcasting, I learned that at ASU, so it's only appropriate. The real number one picks from ASU. Any guesses? Barry Bonds. Uh, we'll get, that was one we originally said we were wrong on. Bob oh, really? Horner. Bob Horner, 1978. Floyd Bannister in 1976, and Rick Monday in 1965. Rick Monday, love that guy. So those three in Torkelson, ASU has a record of four players taken first overall, more than any other college. Now, Reggie Jackson, we mentioned him, 1966, he was taken number two by the Kansas City Athletics, who Dear, eventually that far off. became the Oakland A's. You know who had the number one pick that year? I don't. The Mets. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Who'd they take, do you know? I, I have to look it up. I don't even want to know. That's but uh, 1985, the year I was born, Barry Bonds was taken number six by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Wow. So I want to correct that and make sure we are uh, above board and on top of things. So with that, I will get off my soapbox and pass it to you, Kent. Well, I'm sure you were losing sleep over that, so I'm glad you bit. cleared that up. Um you know what? We're, the freaking world's going off the rails, <laughs> especially here in the United States. Have you guys seen this Capitol Hill autonomous zone that's been created in Seattle? This is the craziest thing I have ever seen in my life. These freaking people, Antifa, whoever, have taken over literally like a six square block area. And it's like they've literally taken it over. They're like extorting money from like the business owners and stuff like that you know so i don't want to go crazy into this but circling back to jake's minimalism um topic there and he he sent me a text about the documentary and of course i watched it i touched on minimalism versus consumerism a little bit in the previous show i think a couple shows ago i talked about living off the grid so there's a bit of a theme there no doubt about it and for me it's just really really fun to explore it to see you know how realistic it would be um the lovely megan and i you know we downsized from like 2400 square feet to 1600 square feet about about four years ago and you know no no regrets as far as that goes. Um, and, you know, we just, we look around after watching that show and just like looking at every single thing. Like, do we need that? Do we, re- would we need that? Would we need that? You know, it's needs versus wants and, you know, things versus, you know, what you need. And one of the segments in that documentary had a guy who was, a ver- I mean, like most people in that documentary were successful business people. And like the one guy, the- he, he literally put all his belongings into two duffel bags, essentially. That was it. And he was traveling the world. And he just, everybody who's practicing this minimalism is so happy. These people are so happy. And it's just because they have nothing to worry about. And when I think about that, I'm like, oh my God, that would be amazing. They're not weighed down. They're not weighed down by anything. They can go where they want, when they want, do what they want, when they want. And they don't have to worry about stuff like, you know, loving Megan and I just refinanced our house because, you know, the, the interest rates have completely bottomed out, um, saved a bunch of money there, cut five years off our mortgage. And it's so funny when you do that, you have a month where you don't have to make a mortgage payment. So our month was this month, June, right? But it never freaking fails, right? You think you're going to get ahead. You're going to stash this money away and sure as shit, stuff comes up, right? For us, $300 ice maker had to be replaced. Had to replace my garage door opener. That was $600. It's like, you can't win. You can't win in this world. You can't get ahead. When it comes to like consumerism, you can't win. You really can't. You can't get ahead. You know, it's it's true. I got a quick question. This guy that was a successful businessman put everything in two duffel bags. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Was he married? No kids? Oh, yeah. No, no kids. Oh, so he just, yeah, yeah, he's free and easy. This is the Wall Street guy? Yeah. Well, no. uh, Well, the Wall Street guy, he's one of the guys who like hosted the, uh, the show. And they've actually got a podcast called The Minimalist. So I listened to the first, well, not the first episode. I listened to the first, my first episode last night of that. And uh, it's really good. Those guys are awesome. We should get them on. I Send them an email. Yep, I'm going to do it. 
we'll get them on. And as At least we'll try. Your, your discussion of the world falling apart yeah. and all this stuff. In the thriving metropolis of Gilbert, Arizona, that you were lucky enough to visit yesterday, did you see yesterday? a couple of those places boarded up downtown? I did. I'm <laughs> like, what? That is the God. last place in this world that you would ever expect to see that. So crazy, so crazy. All right, let's move on. Um, all right, our Safety Apparel Geo Share for this week. First of all, Safety Apparel has... Without question, the best safety vest available anywhere. Be sure to check them out at safetyapparel.us and follow them on all social media platforms because they're always doing some really cool stuff. Um, and if you're actually, uh, if you actually wear the party chief vest or any of their other uh, safety gear, you take pictures and send it in. And uh, Matthew Stansbury is really good about promoting that stuff on, uh, on social media. So the topic of our GeoShare this week is the end of the U.S. survey foot. So this isn't going to hopefully anyways come to a surprise to anybody listening, but it's something to circle back to um, and credit Dr. Michael Dennis with the National Geodetic Survey for this. Um, this is on the NGS website, but an era is going to come to an end soon. Uh, in 1959, the name U.S. Survey Foot was given to an existing definition so that its use could temporarily, keep in mind that was 1959, <laughs> temporarily continue alongside the new international foot. Well, after December 31st, 2022, only the international foot definition will be used in the United States. So that being one foot equals zero point three zero four eight meter exactly but it's going to simply be called the foot which is good to avoid confusion that will stop the simultaneous use of two nearly identical foot conversions that differ by only zero point zero one foot per mile now it doesn't sound like a lot but where that does become a real issue is when you have very loud, very large coordinates, like in the millions and stuff. And when you start using, you know, international foot versus U.S. foot, it does make a difference. So it's going to be really good to get rid of uh, the U.S. survey foot and just have one foot to avoid any confusion. Let's Although, get this uniform. Yeah, uniform, but there's going to be plenty of confusion because that's also when we're going into SPC, you know, 2022 and stuff like that. So it's going to be very, very confusing for a bit of time, but ultimately it's going to be a really good thing. I, your temporary definition on the U.S. survey foot, I hope the geoholics are that temporary. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be okay with that. No question. No question. All right, let's get on with our guest today. We have uh, Tim Bauer with us, and Tim is the head of Geo AI at... Super and Supper. Hopefully I got that right. Super and Super. Yep, yep. He'll clear it up for us here in just a second, I'm sure. But uh, Tim was born and raised near Frankfurt, Germany. He achieved his Bachelor of Science in Environmental Science at Lumfana University in Lunenburg. Then on the same track to complete, went on the same track to complete a Master of Science at Lund University in Sweden. His hobbies include bouldering, playing the guitar, crafting, and various coding projects. And in a unique fact about Tim, he, he, uh, he won a first grade reading competition. He's really proud of that. And he has built an AI-based web app, this is pretty crazy, that can recognize birds by their song. We gotta, we gotta circle back on that. Um, what else? And oh yeah, last but not least, he can bake and this is his own words, he can bake damn tasty Swedish-style cinnamon buns. So we're going we're gonna to catch up with Tim on some of this stuff. Swedish-style? I don't think I've ever experienced I know. that. We're going to find out about that. So, Tim, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Hi. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. To be here. Absolutely. So it's uh, 7 a.m. here in Arizona-ish, and it's 4 p.m. in Germany, correct? Exactly, yeah. Or a little after four, I should say. So yeah. um, it got us got us up a little early this morning, but as producer Jake mentioned previously, I think we'll get a full day in, so this is fantastic. Um, let's circle back on a couple things. First of all, in your bio, you mentioned that one of your hobbies is bouldering. Can you explain what that is a little bit? Uh, it's essentially climbing without a rope um, at not so great heights <laughs> with a shock mat underneath. So it's... it's uh, it's become a, a kind of hype sport and there's a lot of bouldering gyms in Berlin. That means there's uh, someone who built up like climbing walls, put up a little, uh, put up a few of those. Um, God, how do you call them in English? You know, those grips yep. you can drill on the wall and mm -hmm. you can, you can climb and 
there's a bunch of really great outdoor ones here and like um, abandoned industrial sites where you can climb outside around an old water tower. So this is where I would usually go before COVID hit. Um, but now it's, it's recently opened up again. So I'm looking forward to getting back into a habit of, of bouldering. Yeah, so you have to build up unbelievable forearm strength, I would think, and like grip strength in, in order it's, to be really good at that. It's the fingers mainly. I'm actually really scared of getting back at it back at it because it will hurt as hell for the first three times. Like your your forearms, they lock up really fast. Wow. But it's great fun. It's like it's like another way of, of solving problems with your body, like trying sure. to it's like a puzzle, like yeah. a like a geometrical spatial puzzle that you have to solve with your with your limbs. Yeah, that's really interesting. And the uh, um, the the bird application. How in the world did you think about doing that? <laughs> uh, that's a very good question. Uh, to be honest, um, I I could tell you like a great story in hindsight how we came up with this idea. In fact, it was it was probably chance. It, it just seemed to be a cool thing to do. Um, it was uh, during a time when I joined an AI boot camp. Um, which was focusing on creating portfolio projects. So me and my two team members, we, we decided that working with audio would be kind of cool because a lot of a lot of work with convolutional nets has been done on, on images and detecting cats and dogs, blah, blah, blah. And we thought working with audio would be really interesting. And then uh, decided to build a Shazam for birds. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say Shazam. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like trademark. Maybe, 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 maybe cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, they're going to pay us for you saying that. <laughs> uh, uh, it was a prototype. I'm not sure if it's online anymore. There's a, there's a bunch of apps now, actual like uh, smartphone apps that do the same thing. But uh, we built one. He was the OG. The OG. <laughs> we were not the first, to be honest. Uh, that's really cool, though. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely thinking outside the box with the technology. Just just to clarify with our listeners, when when we're saying AI, we're meaning artificial intelligence. So I don't want anybody to be confused with anything else. Um, and well, I think everyone is a little bit confused. Yeah. <laughs> life, life, life is confusing at this point. Um, if, I, I got to ask this. Yeah. What exactly is a Swedish cinnamon bun? Um, um, they put a little uh, cardamom in there. And they roll them up into these nice uh, shapes, like, um, it's hard to describe. I think the classic, you have American style cinnamon buns, right? Yeah. Like, and it's basically layered dough and you roll them up and cut them into little slices. The Swedish ones, they're more like braided. Oh, Typ yeah. Okay. Braided Typical little. American laziness. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so funny. Exactly. So the... Yeah. Coincidentally, the lovely Megan and I went out for ice cream last night, and I had some ice cream that had cardamom in it, as a matter of fact. What? That's pretty unique. Yeah, it's pretty unique, but it's a cinnamon-type thing. So was really it cool. good? It was, fin- it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, this, nice. this ice cream place is amazing. They do some really cool stuff with you know, different flavors and unique things. So it was really, really good. So you mentioned uh, COVID-19. Um, just curious, you know, I mean, you know, being in Germany, you know, we have to ask, you know, how, how are you personally dealing with it? How has it changed your life? And, and Germany, how, how is Germany dealing with it? Mm, I mean, Germany has been dealing with it comparably well. Like, I'm, I'm very lucky to, to live here. Um, it's, it has affected me, but not to, like, a, a tragic degree. I've been, I've been doing home office for three months. I'm lucky enough that I could just switch to that effective immediately when when uh, things uh, started looking uh, more uh, more catastrophic um, so I've been pretty much isolated for two months that was that was tough but I don't want to complain about that because yeah obviously it can be much harder uh, we got a dog me and my girlfriend so that helped a lot with <laughs> coping you, with you and you and half the world I swear like every yeah. uh <laughs> every place, every uh, shelter here in, in Arizona anyway, is, uh, you can't even find a dog. So everybody threw this yeah, man. Uh, quarantine. The, the, the shelter was hugely critical. They were like, oh, are you just one of those people who just want to get a dog to like deal with, with COVID isolation? And we're like, right. no, we're really serious. We, we would really <laughs> love a dog. We've been talking about this for a year. It's just that now it's kind of like the perfect moment to... No doubt. You're at home to train them. It makes yeah, sense. Exactly. It's, it's, it's exactly. perfect timing for it. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Get it used to 
get used to you and the new home. And no question. Then eventually when you can train him to be alone. What did you name your dog? Is it anything like uh, AI related or anything? <laughs> I want to say I named it like XA12, whatever, no. Right. Uh, <laughs> he was called uh, Lenyo, so he came with a name. He, he's from oh, okay. Just kept it. used to that name. So. Very cool. Well, hey, kudos to you for uh, rescuing a dog. That's awesome. Stepping it up a notch. Thanks. Absolutely. Well, now, I just got to go back a little bit. We said it's 4 o'clock there, almost 5 o'clock. So, um, German beer, are you a big believer in the Rheinheinsgebot? Um, That's the German purity beer law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, shoot. <laughs> I am so impressed with you this morning. We need to start doing this in the morning more often. From, from, two cups of coffee will well, yeah, bring it out of me. 1516, I, I believe. And there's the Bavarians. The Bavarians have their own Reinheitsgebot because they are there special again in Germany. Now, did you um, hear that pronunciation? Much I better was than yours. Not even close <laughs> I know, yours was one. close. I got to give you credit. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's a good thing in the way that it it, it uh, guarantees that you have a you have a steady supply of high quality pilsner beers, but it kind of limited innovation, you might say. Like there's there's not that many like ales and and other kind of beer styles that you would find in in a typical German supermarket or in a little like pop store, mom pop store at the corners of Berlin. Um, so it's usually Pilsner, very good Pilsner, but through the through the bank. Yeah. So um, I only discovered like uh, pale ales and stuff when I lived in Sweden. Oh wow! Okay. Where they they have a state monopoly on alcohol, so they're really like controlling who can drink. It's it's a it's a big contrast to living in Germany, where like especially in Berlin, where half the population walks around with a with a beer bottle in their hand every time of the day. And in Sweden, you have to go to a special store which uh, has like opening hours that make sure you don't uh, spontaneously drink on the weekend like they close on saturdays at three mm. so you really have to plan it's really expensive but the good thing is they have like the best selection of beers that i've ever seen i need to move so, to berlin so I, I was gonna say that as a matter of fact so we're really good about inviting ourselves to stay with our guests and um with oktoberfest in the not too distant <laughs> future would, would we have a place to stay if we came out to visit I believe it got canceled. Oh, uh, of course yeah. it did. Convenient. Like, let's see what they let's see what they do about it now with the changes. But yeah. I mean, that's all the way south. If you come to Berlin, if you come to Intergeo, let's say. Oh yeah. Like, then you'd be then you'd be closer. I promise you, Kent will show up in his later hosen. <laughs> At least a kilt. <laughs> no, doubt. no doubt, no doubt. All right, let's uh, let's get. Well, we could talk all day about exactly. This. Well, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's so interesting. Have these yeah. international yeah. guests, you get a yeah. you know different perspective than we're used to. Uh, as far as your your professional life, talk 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 to us about supper and supper super and super, and and your role with them currently. Yes. Uh, yeah. You first of all, you you can say supper and supper. Okay. That's that's how we usually say it. Um, so yeah, we're we're a Berlin-based uh, data science consultancy, um, or that's what what we started as. We're currently venturing into um, creating own products, um, but mostly we're this external AI lab for large companies, and we provide anything from consultancy and concepts to building prototypes for them to actually developing end-to-end -end pipelines and products. Um, and we have three main areas. Um, we work with mechanical engineering, uh, stuff like predictive maintenance, when is a truck going to fail? Um, how do you uh, configure like a vehicle testing stand so that you can most efficiently test a new vehicle? Stuff like that. We have a computational life science branch where we um, work with uh, field trials and investigating data from that. And of course, we have the GeoAI branch, and this is what I'm currently heading. So I'm uh, coordinating and working with a team of uh, three, soon four, geodata scientists. Um, so we're covering anything that involves geospatial data and any sort of uh, artificial intelligence-based um, analysis of that. So that could involve classical machine learning, which is usually um, like not such complex models, like people talk about stuff like random forests, et cetera, as part of machine learning. And then uh, AI, that would usually be neuronal, neuronal networks, 
neural networks. Sorry, I fucked that up, cut that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a large confusion in terminology, but uh, when, when we talk about AI, we mean neural networks and deep learning. So that's what we mostly do. And we apply that to everything from satellite imagery and drone-based images to um, nowadays more and more um, 3D scans, laser scans, point clouds. Very cool. Super exciting stuff that you get to work on on a daily basis. So AI, I mean, it's it's around us all the time, and we probably don't even know it. Talk, you know, just kind of in general, I don't know, in general ideas or terms or what have you, um, you know, what, what, what key roles is AI playing in the world today? <laughs> it gives you a lot of funny uh, Snapchat filters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I... I think in our everyday life, like um, it, it certainly shapes a lot of our online interactions, right? Like it curates your social media feed, your search en engine results. It, it gives you recommendations on what to buy next. It uh, places ads, it sorts your emails, it, it helps you auto complete, complete a, a Google search. Um, that's like where it's, where it's all around us in the way that it's almost like invisible, right? Yeah. And then there's a whole set of stuff happening where people are experimenting with how can we actually make this uh, like solve more complex problems. And this is stuff that we're dealing with um, when it comes to 3D scans. We're looking at, well, how can we turn a, a point cloud, which when it comes out of the scanner, is just like a big bulky set of raw data. How can we make this smart? Like, how can we say this point belongs to that object and this point belongs to that object to the extent that you could then go ahead and filter and search your point cloud and say, okay, all my street signs, these are their exact positions. This is the type of the street sign associated with that position. These are all my roofs. This is the uh, square footage of all the roofs in my area of interest. So this is what, what we are working on in particular. That's pretty cool. Um, so when you when you talk about the role it plays, you know, when you're surfing uh, surfing the internet and stuff, it w the way you described it, and I know that's very very accurate. It almost sounds like it's uh, an invasion of privacy to a certain degree. Um, mm -hmm. Do you do you agree with that? Um, I do agree with that. Like me personally, I'm I'm quite critical when um, like personal data is being collected and when this is used to predict our behavior and our interest with the aim of like nudging us to make certain purchases or do things that might not always be in our best interest. So this is, this is a part that I'm quite critical about, but I also believe that we can use this technology to do a great deal of good. And in fact, we, I believe we have to, because we have a bunch of big problems to solve. Uh, for me, with my background in environmental science, I'm especially thinking about climate change and everything around that. And we need the best tools we can get to um, better understand the world and better inform our actions. So this is something I'm quite interested in in the bigger picture. Yeah. I'm less interested in making people click on ads and I'm more interested in using this to well understand our environment better and understand where we have to focus action to I don't know, preserve biodiversity, um, uh, prevent um, stuff that's happening in Germany right now is that there's a bark beetles infesting our forests and uh, they have to clear fell large areas of forest. So this is, for example, a use case that we've worked on where we try to detect the dead trees um, based on aerial imagery. And this is, of course, only a first step. You can only do this in hindsight when the trees are dead already. But really interesting stuff is happening where you are trying to, where people are trying to predict where these bark beetles will strike next, so that people can take appropriate measures. And this is something I, I see a lot of potential for the future in. What other applications? Um, I mean, that, that that's really cool, no doubt. Um, but what like, even beyond that, you know, looking into the future, what are what are other applications for AI that you can see? I mean, there's a there's a lot of talk about um, autonomous driving, of course, but people are saying we're still 10 years away from that. Um, but I believe it's going to come. Uh, it's also going to transform manufacturing for sure. Like a lot of manufacturing is going to be automated. Um, it's going to be a huge impact in, in healthcare and especially diagnostics, like uh, analyzing um, uh, biomedical scans and, and images. 
and people are also talking how it's going to shift education, right? How it's going to, how you're going to have um, a smart assistant that um, helps uh, children to learn at their at a pace that is perfect for them. <laughs> this is a lot of stuff that that I think we'll, we will be seeing in the next in the next decade. Um, but yeah, I'm personally more interested in all the applications that relate to to geospatial data. Yeah, and I can see you know even post-COVID, how it could play even more of a uh, significant role, like in education, as you just mentioned. Yeah. For sure. Um, I know that you guys have a project, I believe it's called Pointly. Is that correct? Exactly, yeah. Um, I know it's also something you're pretty excited about. It's a like a 3D point cloud classification type application. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so so Pointly, um, it started as a, a prototype, as like a little hack that I developed on on the side of another project. So um, we had this uh, 3D analysis use case from a construction company. They basically wanted to detect um, very specific objects in their 3D scans. And to do this, you need training data. Um, so I don't know how, how much you guys are familiar with this this whole uh, talk about neural networks and training data, but you can only detect what you can train. Like you need to teach the machine by example. And this is often that kind of um, uh, people fail to mention that, that this is like the, a lot of the work that goes into AI is generating this training data. And with 3D scans, it's particularly uh, hard to do this because you, you look at this 3D scan on the screen and you have to mark what's what to train the machine later to re to recognize it. So you sit there and you draw in your in your point cloud and you try to draw this perfect line around this tree to separate it from a house, for example. And it's just cumbersome and annoying and it takes ages. And I found a little trick that essentially makes it a lot faster where you can just click on the tree and uh, it will figure out what points belong to this object. <laughs> and you can then label it and you can generate this training data much faster. So that was like the starting point for Pointly. And um, like, I'm really happy and thankful that my boss was very open to this idea, was, was very keen to get into developing a project and, uh, uh, well, supported me in this, uh, gave me resources and uh, a team to do this. So Pointly... At its heart, it's a, it's a cloud-based platform for uh, storing, viewing, managing, and um, annotating point clouds. So in the first step, it's this, uh, you can upload your point clouds there, you can organize them in projects, um, and you can assign label catalogs, like catalogs of, of objects that you think are, are relevant for your use case. And with this tool that we developed and with these um, smart selection tools, you can quickly um, extract the objects that are relevant for you for your use case. Let's say you want to survey roofs and you had to do this uh, by hand and it took a lot of time. Now you can quickly select those roofs and you can later filter for them and only analyze those points. So these are workflows that we aim to um, speed up. And in the next step, um, with enough training data, we can provide you with pre-trained classifiers that, that cover use cases out of the box. And eventually, we plan to give customers the opportunity to run their own uh, trainings on our platform. So they come uh, with, their, um, with their point cloud data. And um, let's say they have a very specific use case in mind. I don't know. They want to detect all the bus stops in their city like this is it's a very com common thing that um, uh, municipalities, they regularly scan themselves and they have these large scans and they clog up their servers somewhere and they have all these use cases in mind and they don't know how to realize them um, when it comes to in inventory, urban inventory mapping. And this is something they can do on Pointly. Um, they first generate the training data and as soon as they have enough training data, the process just accelerates because they can more and more rely on the trained classifier to take over this manual work. So we do two things. We, we speed up this manual work. So we, we lower the, 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 the entry bar into this world of training neural networks to do the work for you. 
and then we provide you a platform where you can do this and view your results and export it into different formats. I think I talked a lot. Do you have any questions about this? Well, no, I think, uh, you know, the, the idea or the concept behind it is absolutely genius. And I can see how it could potentially save a, a, a ton of time. So it sounds like, you know, first of all, I, I do have a couple of questions. Um, when, when you're collecting the data or doing the scanning, does it need to be collected in any different way in order for Pointly to be effective? Or is it any point cloud data can be benefit or can benefit from Pointly? Mm, so we are not ourselves in, in, in data collection, first of all. Like we have partners who do that, but we're, we're kind of agnostic to where the data comes from. But um, I'm going to be honest with you, like it's, it's a garbage in, garbage out problem as, as everywhere else. If you come with a very noisy, badly registered point cloud, uh, the smart selection will obviously not work as good. But if you have a, a laser scan from mobile mapping, for example, where the people who did the scan knew what they were doing, um, you, can, you can expect to have a huge acceleration of your workflows. Like you can, you can click on the facade of a house and select this house immediately and narrow down on areas that interest you. Got it. And then my other question is, what about like aerial LIDAR data? I mean, is it uh, applicable to that as well? Yeah, certainly. Um, we actually tried a lot of aerial LIDAR use cases when it comes to um, extracting roofs. And um, we also have, um, we offer a bunch of services on demand around Pointly. And one of them is that we um, extract and map your roofs as CAD files for you. So this is not yet a feature that is integrated into Pointly as in you as the customer will be able to do this yourself. We plan to do that in the future. For now, you have to order it. But this is something we do from Aerial LiDAR, for example. Um, so that's that's certainly possible. Wow. And the most important question, when is Pointly going to be available? <laughs> um, we're looking in the next two months we, are, we're, we will be launching. So I can't give you an exact date right now. Um, but we're working very hard on letting it launch this summer. And uh, any of our listeners that are interested in finding out more, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you can check out our website, uh, pointly.ai. Um, you can sign up for a newsletter there where we'll keep you up to date on uh, when we launch. And we have a knowledge base there with a couple of interesting blog entries where we talk about how Pointly can make your Point Cloud workflows uh, easier and faster. So yeah, check that out, pointly.ai. Gotcha, for sure. We'll definitely get that posted when we uh, release this episode so that folks can uh, go there really easy. We're going to have to get a cool. uh, a code for GL15 for them as well, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> and you can talk with Francie. Like you, you have her contact. We, we actually have a referral program. <laughs> All right. She's going to get sick of hearing from us. <laughs> So what, uh, like from a technological standpoint and AI, I suppose, I mean, what, what are some things that concern you um, moving into the future with that technology? Mm, well, I, I think I mentioned a couple of my concerns already that um, like a lot of people working with this, they, yeah, there's this quote, they, they use it to make you click on ads, mm -hmm. right? Um, I'm not saying that's all bad. Um, uh, and I'm certainly happy when I get a useful recommendation rather than being spammed with, with stuff that doesn't interest me. But ultimately, to me, that's not, um, that's not where really our focus should be when it comes to AI. And so I, I'm thinking there's, there's more promising applications. Yeah, no question. I, I love what you said. And I mean, we say it all the time here, um, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Um, you know, as, from a lay person as far as AI goes and, and what I think about, I mean, I, I, if the technology gets in the wrong hands or is misused, it could, it could cause chaos also, right? That, that depends. Um, uh, let, let me phrase it differently. I think an, another problem with, with, with AI and the fact how, how hyped it is, is that, um, people tend to overestimate its capabilities. So um, most of the applications that we talk about, they're, they're, um, they're map functions. Like they map a bunch of inputs to, to a set of outputs. And that could be the inputs could be a set of pixels 
to the classes cat and dog or in, in our bird app, it could be like um, a five second snippet of audio and it maps it to 100 different bird species. Um, and what people um, what people often don't see or what is not talked about that much um, outside the AI world is that these networks, once trained, they cannot really generalize that well outside of their domain, outside of what they've been trained with. So um, that's a limit. And um, we've we've hit this, this peak in the AI hype cycle, I think, where people started to realize this. Yeah, wait, we can we can train it on cats and dogs, but if um, if we only ever trained it on, on, on cat pictures in the summer and we suddenly throw in like pictures with snow, it will not be able to generalize to this new domain. And this is a very uh, silly example, of course, but it holds for a lot of more complex cases. Like if we train on, on a photogrammetric point cloud, um, it will not generalize so well on laser scan point clouds. If we train on aerial point clouds, it will not generalize so well to um, mobile mapping based point clouds. But that's ultimately a question of how much data you'll be able to, to gather. So the, the, the idea there is that at some point, and this is this, this promise of big data, your, your N, your sample size will just be all the observations that there are. And then you can, then you can have a perfect model. But um, until, until then, um, there, every, uh, every model is, is limited to a certain extent. And um, maybe when it gets out of hand, um, I don't know, I would play that back. Like, what do you mean? Because um, we don't have general AI yet in the sense that we have systems that can autonomously make decisions or reason in an, in an abstract manner. So what, what we have right now is, is like pattern recognition machines on steroids, essentially. Um, what, what risks do you see there? What, what risks do you mean? It's going to be Skynet. It's going to become aware and it, yeah, uh, yeah. attack us all. We're, we're doomed. Yeah. You're, ju you're just yeah, the beginning of the see, end. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that yet, to be honest. I just, um, I just went a little hyperbolic on us. <laughs> I'm more worried about aliens, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, you had these these what was it these uh, videos that were like recently released. You talked about this on on another show, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or, that's you, right. Or was it this beginning? Oh my goodness. Yeah. What Kent, about Kent and his uh, conspiracy? Well, theories. I mean, you got aliens with AI. Oh my gosh, we J we are doomed. Hey Jake, did we go to the moon? <laughs> we definitely went to the moon. All right. That's a whole I mean, different. That's a, that's a whole different show. We'll get to that one eventually. An, if I can, if I can jump in here, if you ask this thing, like, did we go to the moon? That's the thing that scares me a little bit. There's this um, uh, uh, family of neural networks called uh, general adversary uh, networks, and they can create um, seemingly real uh, footage, uh, video footage, or images. Um, that don't exist so you can you, you've probably seen those things where do you think they, they had that like in like a, 1969 though i, I have no doubt they didn't oh have they, no but, <laughs> but the point is you can produce stuff like this is like that what they call of, um a deep fake exactly like and <laughs> were you we're, we're going to see we're going to see more and more of this stuff where we, we can't really be sure did, did this happen or is this just some some uh, yeah. yeah, manipulation. I've seen a couple of videos like that. Like they do it with like Elon Musk and Joe Rogan now, where they can put like his face on someone else, and it looks like we'll have to pull up one of these videos. It looks so real. Wow. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh Crazy. boy. Now he's going down the rabbit hole. I can see it already. Well, I mean, it, it's already like in video games, right? Of course. Yeah, but this is like yeah, hyper yeah, real. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, video, Deep fake, hyper real. Where... What world do we live in? <laughs> I just want to go back to bed. <laughs> uh, two cups of coffee. I'm not going to sleep anytime soon. <laughs> With all this technology and everything, uh, you personally, what keeps you motivated? What 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 drives you every day to get out of bed and have two cups of coffee and get it going? <laughs> um, learning new stuff. Like I think what keeps me motivated is that there's always something new to learn. Like um, I I just love. Uh, diving into new into new topics trying out new things um 
and I think coding is great because it's kind of it's like a like a little universal tool set. So once you once you can code, you can kind of go ahead and uh, implement all these funny projects that that interest you. You suddenly have this universal tool to to figure out new things. So so that's that that keeps me motivated to um, learn new tools, build new small applications, uh, try out stuff. Is it is it one of those things where like literally the sky's the limit? I mean, it, it it's only um, controlled by what the human mind can um, can dream up. A little bit, yes, but I think you. In theory, yeah. In practice, you very quickly hit the point where you realize, oh, actually, to properly implement this, I would need like a 10-people team of software engineers. I would need someone to do the design, et cetera, right? Like it's with this bird app that we built, it was, it was, the sky was the limit insofar as we could just go ahead. We found a good data set. We could um, train this classifier on those birds. But if we really wanted to turn this into, into an app that you could download, like there's a, there's a whole bunch of there's so much work that goes into this. So yeah. um, I, I guess I'm making it sound way too easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's always easy to build a prototype, but it's actually really hard to put something in production and make it work consistently. And I mean that's that's like a new challenge now with 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 Pointly really like getting getting a product out there, making sure it it works smooth and in all occasions, making sure it handles the traffic. Uh, so it's, it's, I'm, I'm leaving my little, uh, my little data lab where I, where I try out and experiment with data sets and stuff. And um, it's more big, like architectural questions. Uh, how are we gonna make all these components fit into each other? How do we coordinate the work of all these engineers? Um, so it's, it's harder to make something actually, put actually something out there. Yeah, that yeah. is cool. It's really exciting. That's something I really look forward to uh, this year to go online with this. That's uh, that's awesome. I mean, congratulations on Pointly. I love the idea, and I'm sure it's going to be a be a success. It sounds impressive. I'm I'm excited to uh, check it out when when it is released. Um, now, I know you said you've listened to a, an episode or two of our show, so we have this question for everybody. Do you have a mantra that you live by? Not, not necessarily a mantra, but um, like keep moving, like try out new stuff, see where it leads you and then go on from there. Easy enough. I thought it was going to be something like super German sounding and we would have no idea what he just said. Thank you for making it easy on uh, us. No worries. Hey, I would actually be really interested to, to hear your perspective on um, the future of, of 3D scanning because you've talked to a lot of surveyors like yeah like what what do they need when it comes to we've talked about all these potentials of ai what what would really make their life their lives easier and well i mean i think like uh you know this is coming from me uh, a surveyor i mean uh, you know the 3d scanning lidar thing is is not going away it's only going to um you know increase be used more uh, and, and the applications are just continuing to uh, to expand on a daily basis, you can't keep up with the technology, no doubt. Um, you know, one of the one of the concerns is the the file size, of course. You know, when you have all yeah. this scan data, um, you know, you really got to take the end user into consideration when when uh, when pulling this all together. Um, I, I like the 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 concept of pointly because one of the things that, from a survey perspective, you know, a lot of companies use. Uh, scanners to do like Alta surveys, which are 2D surveys, um, mm. you know, and, and, and I guess um, converting 3D data into 2D data and it being in a, in a file size that is, that is usable, you know, that, that's one of the challenges for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good feedback. No, Pointly sounds like it's amazing, like essentially what I learned this industry as far as photogrammetry it's kind of doing that with this point cloud data and that's pretty amazing um one last question from me if you were you're you're a young man still if there were to be an autobiography written about you currently what would it be <laughs> called what would the the title be uh 
how did I end up here? <laughs> uh, that's a good point. So, I mean, when you, like, when you graduated from university, I mean, what, did, is this what you thought you'd be doing or what, what, did you have something else in mind at that point in time? Did you kind of fall into it? Uh, yeah, that's, that's actually what I'm, what I'm hinting at. Um, no, I, I didn't necessarily like I've, I've always been coding. I was always fascinated with computers as a child. Um, but I never considered this to be um, my profession that I would be working in. So that that happened like over the course of the last five years was like a gradual shift. Um, yeah, my background is in environmental science. So my um, my biggest common denominator with this is, is remote sensing and, and analyzing satellite imagery. And mm. once I realized um, this potential for um, Earth system monitoring that comes from automatically or and, and autom autonomously um, analyzing satellite imagery, I was kind of hooked. I was, I was like, wow, what is happening there? And that was, that must have been like 2012, when 2010, 2012, when when the the AI hype started with mm -hmm. with cats and dogs. And ever since then, I was really, really keen to learn more about that. So. Yeah, I made sure to to catch every summer school and every extracurricular course that I could on this topic to 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 educate myself in this. So, so I was kind of um, shifting more from this generalist uh, environmental science interdisciplinary view to to having this this hard back to this coding skill that I'd always uh, cultivated besides, but never really thought of more than a hobby and focused on that hard and zoomed in on this this goal to work with that. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier that you you get a ton of support from uh, you know the folks at Supper and Supper. Is there anybody in particular you want to mention that has uh, has been one of your biggest fans there? Yeah, um, my uh, my team is really great. First and foremost, like I have a bunch of really great colleagues: um, Max, Amrita, Damien, um, and our our head of data science, Patrick, Dr. Patrick Fetter. He's been a great help. Um, He's always encouraging, um, always has your back. Um, and my, my, our boss, Stephanie, Stephanie Super, um, uh, has just been yeah, amazing and welcoming me at this company and is always open for new ideas and suggestions. So, uh, and made this idea with Pointly happen. So yeah, shout out to all of them. It's great to be working with you guys. Yep. Yep. Very cool. I mean, everybody uh, needs to have a good support staff, especially when taking on, you know, a project like uh, like Pointly. So, you know, good for you. It's it's really cool that that all worked out. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're probably right. You guys got anything else? Nope. nope. Uh, you mentioned all those people, so make sure you uh, share the link to the episode so we get a few new listeners. So we get to that fifteen thousand, and Kent gets a tattoo here <laughs> soon <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I see what thing. you're doing there, Shoes. <laughs> yeah, so is, is, you, is there anything else to, that you want to mention? Yeah, yeah. To your listeners, uh, if you wanna if you wanna meet me and some more people from Supper and Supper, we'll be at the Azure User Conference, uh, the online one. And we're also going to be at Intergeo here in Berlin. Very cool. What, what, when is that? What are the dates? Do you know offhand? Uh, let me quickly check. Uh, Molly's looking. We'll just talk about our trip next year when this whole COVID thing is hopefully behind us when we go to Germany. Yeah, we're doing it. Get a couple of liters of some beer. <laughs> <laughs> the liter hosen. That was great when you made that. Uh, you said when you were finished with university, it was very you like that? European. You, oh, I, I know. He's going international on us all of a sudden. Yep, I know. Jake's eyes lit up. He was so proud. This podcast <laughs> has uh, culturized me. Uh, so I looked it up. Um, Azure User Conference is 13th to 16th of July, and the Intergeo will be from the 13th of October to the 15th. Gotcha. And are they still in, in, like, in person, or are they virtual? conferences um the esri user conference as far as i know is going to be virtual and i believe intergeo shifted back to being in person oh wow okay cool but that's good to know we'll have a vaccine by then it'll be, be another, fine uh, <laughs> if there's going to be another spike yeah yeah let's hope not all right cool well you got anything else tim 
Uh, that's it from my side. Thanks All right. for having me. Fantastic. Thanks Thank for being you. here. Uh, congrats on Pointly. Look forward to seeing where that goes. And, you know, just let us know what else we can do to help you promote that. Be happy to do it. Um, that's that's really about it. You got anything else, Shoots? We could put a bow on this one. Let's do I, that. I Let's feel that. that, or I don't know how to say bow in German, but... I think you just did. <laughs> I, <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used Gutentag. That's all I got. Ryan Heinz. All right. Well, thanks again, Tim. Uh, we really appreciate you being here and getting us up early. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for it, listening to me rant about AI. <laughs> no, it was great. It was great. We get, glad we could give you the platform to do that. All right, everybody. So check us out, uh, as you know, at thegeaholics.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn uh, by searching for, of course, The Geoholics and download our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify. And as Shoots mentioned earlier, you can download our app from the Land Surveyors United uh, website. Email us at info at thegeoholics.com if you're interested in being a friend of the program or a guest on a future show. We're now booking into, I think it's September-ish? No, end of end of August. So. 2024. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's have Suma take us out with Sword Lord, available on Spotify and Apple Music. Support local. Check out uh, Super and Super. Pay it forward. And be safe and healthy, everyone. Thank you to our friends of the program, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com, Parkland College Land Survey Program, parkland.edu forward slash surveying, Unifly, U-N-I-F-L-I dot arrow, Bad Elf, Bad-Elf.com, Advanced Geodetic Survey, AGSGPS.com, Safety Apparel, SafetyApparel.us, Diamondback Land Surveying, DBAC, ls.com get kids into survey get kids into survey.com <laughs>